When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to another Orange and Brown Talk podcast, another version of the Mayfield Matrix. Doug Marie, Spirit, Big Cabot, Ashley Bastock, Scott Patsko, and Dan Lobby. We are doing on this episode what it might be like if the Browns brought in a veteran this year to be there alongside Baker Mayfield for the 2022 season, either in competition or just as a backup who would be a more more of a potential starter if need be than Case Keenum at this point. And the example that we're using is what the Tennessee Titans did when they had Marcus Mariota come back on the rookie extension in the year five, but they traded for Ryan Tannehill who had been with the Miami Dolphins for seven years and been the starter there the whole time. And they brought Tannehill in. They said, he's the backup. He's the backup. He's the backup. And then he took over as the starter in game seven of that year after Mariota and the Titans started two and four. So this idea, we're going to try to zero in on some names that like, well, who could be the Browns Tannehill if they decide to do it? Because it's fun to talk about things in theory, but it's like, all right, well, who would the actual options be for this? What are the pros of this idea? Again, it is, it is keeping a quarterback on a fifth-year extension without a, 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 a – on the fifth-year option without an extension, but you bring in a real, a real guy with him. Anybody, are there pros to this? Are there things that are like, you know what? This actually could make sense because this is not, this is bringing Baker back, which is what the Browns are saying right now, but there's an addition to it. Anybody? So for based on our first conversation about like in, in this series about you sign Baker, he's the guy, like my biggest issue with that plan was you're not giving yourself a safety net. And this is the plan to me that is like, there's a safety net there, but you're not immediately saying, oh, yep, Baker is, is you know, full on in this competition. Like, he's the guy until he's not. So I think in that way, like, it, it would be interesting to see how Baker Mayfield reacts to that. But compared to the first option we discussed, for me, the biggest difference, the biggest plus side is there is some cushion for them. From from an analytics standpoint, you can make the argument that this makes sense because it's kind of down the same road as you would go with the draft. You want to have more swings, right? The value in the draft is having more picks, not necessarily picking higher. So in that sense, you would have more swings at getting it right at quarterback because you'd have two guys there uh, that I guess were fall into that maybe category <clears throat> that we talked about. Uh, previously um that's about the only pro i can come up with for this scenario that, and that's an interesting you know there's the the analytics side of it and then there's the real world side of it dan do you see any pros to this possibly i mean i, I guess the pro is you have a guy in the building if baker comes back and he's not good um you, you have a guy that, that you can maybe still go make the playoffs with uh yeah you, know, you know i think I think the Tannehill, the Tannehill thing was almost. I mean, that's that's going to be rare. I don't know if we're going to see that again, where a guy comes in, and you know, you take a swing on a guy like that, and he turns into what Ryan Tannehill has been for Tennessee. Now, there's some holes kind of poked in that because we saw what Tannehill looked like this year, you know, with Derrick Henry out and AJ Brown missed games and Julio Jones missed a bunch of games. But you know, I, I think that's a rare instance. I mean, but that's the pro you're, you're kind of hedging. You're, I th- you're look, you're also saying something about Baker Mayfield too. If you've got to bring somebody in who can play behind him, that's, you know, you're kind you're kind of telling, again, you're sending messages without actually saying things. And I do think that's the balance here, right? There is the, the real world. Hey, options are good versus the, Hey, I'm not so sure the incumbent guy would like this very much. Are you lessening the cons of this? Are you lessening the chances 
of Baker Mayfield succeeding if you do this? Or more importantly, because again, part of this is, and there continues to be some split in the fan base. And we hear from people sort of on both sides of this. There are some people who are like pro Baker Mayfield, right? That it's like, what's, what's best for Baker? What's fair to Baker? And that is not the exact same conversation as what is fair and best to the Browns, who are the team. The Browns do sort of have to do what's best for them. So the idea that maybe this wouldn't be the best for Baker, but it might be the best for the Browns, but it also could be bad for the Browns if it's not good for Baker, right? Scott, you're laughing at me because I'm trying to make 13 points at the same time. But do we, in the real world application of something like this, are you torpedoing the chances of getting the best out of Baker Mayfield? We have no idea how Baker Mayfield will respond to this. Hey, has he ever been this guy? He's been the guy who chases things. He was the walk on uh, as a rookie. You know, he was trying to find his way. And then he, he, since he took over, he's never had to hold off anybody. It's just been him. And we don't know how he'd react to, to having a, a true, even if they don't call it a competition, if you're bringing in, you know, somebody who's been a, an established starter, elsewhere, then I think that kind of sends a bit of a message to him. Uh, We don't know how he'd react. We know how he's handled drama in the past, how he's handled adversity in the past. And it's been very loud and messy at times. Uh, I, I don't know. I think this is, I hate this option so much. This is like, they, they, they have the potential to get into a spot. It's a hopeless spot where you, where he wins whatever kind of competition or non-competition out of camp. And then maybe he falters and you bring in another guy. And what if that other guy doesn't look so hot? And then, man, you're in such a horrible place. you got this great team in theory around that quarterback and you're, you, you've done nothing to improve your position this season or going into next season. Are you worried about the cons of that, Ashley, that, that the real world application of, listen, We've been talking about so – so here's the deal. With, with Mariota and Tannehill, the Titans, they traded for him. They traded like a fourth-round pick or something from Miami. He had been – he had a year where he was hurt in Miami, but he had been the guy in Miami his whole time there. He actually was a guy who signed an extension before his fifth year, right? Ryan Tannehill fits the description of, hey, the team committed to him. And then by like year six or years, you know, Miami was like, no, he's not the guy. But he had been a sure thing starter. And when he came to Tennessee from the jump, Tennessee said, he's the backup. And then there were reports during camp, especially that came out after they made the switch, that actually maybe the coaching staff wanted to play Ryan Tannehill from week one. And the front office wanted to hang on to Marcus Mariota and give him one more shot, even though publicly the whole time they were saying, it's not a competition. It's not a competition. He's the backup. Then they go to Tannehill and the Titans are off and running. They, they are two and four with Mariota as, as a starter. They may, they finish nine and seven. They make the playoffs. They upset the Patriots and the Ravens and they go to the AFC championship game after a quarterback switch. So admittedly, this is, the, that was the best that this could ever work out. I'm not saying if the Browns did this and Baker, lost his job and they put in the new guy that the Browns would go to the AFC championship game. But this is, that was a best case scenario, but Ashley, then there is after the fact stuff, like there's a divide. Yeah. But I'm also like to Scott's point about Baker, Baker Mayfield has kind of created this lore around himself throughout his football career, right? Like the walk on the guy who fights for everything. Well, that would be the time to show how much of a competitor you are, right? Like in the hierarchy of needs in this situation, Baker Mayfield's feelings are not as high for me as some other things, like to be quite honest. And I think he is a competitor. I think he's a very competitive guy. So I don't know that he would completely falter in this situation. And I mean, he wouldn't really have that option, especially if they're saying like, yep, we're bringing in this guy to be our backup and you still have the starting job. I keep thinking, I've been thinking about this for a couple of days. We talked to Kevin Stefanski on Monday And he got asked that question about, or maybe it was after the game, about Case Keenum. And he made a little joke about how he was jokingly mad at Case Keenum for those interceptions. 
for me, the biggest argument that they need a better backup is we know how much Kevin Stefanski hates that stuff, but for some reason in the Green Bay Packers game, when Baker Mayfield threw three in the first half, two of which were just bad throws, he still didn't replace him with a backup. So I, I think, Doug, you made the point the other day about like they need somebody who is maybe a younger veteran who, who can be there or somebody who is younger than Baker, period, with upside. Um, because for whatever reason, like we know how much Kevin Stefanski doesn't like those things in his offense, and he still was not willing to make that change in a game that mattered. Um, so that's what I keep going back to over and over again. Does anybody think that Case Keenum is already this? Because Case Keenum has started in the NFL multiple years. He of course had the one great year many moons ago where he led a team to the playoffs. I, I approached this to the idea of like, Hey, would they bring in somebody like this? Like do they already have this guy. I think, no, I think that case Keenum is not this, that case Keenum is not really a viable playoff caliber long-term starter, which is what Ryan Tannehill was when the Titans brought him in. Does anyone disagree with that? So I, I think it's funny you bring that up because I, when, when they signed Case Keenum, I think part of the discussion was, well, you bring this guy in because he knows Kevin Stefanski. You've seen him win games in the NFL. And if Baker, I mean, let's go back in time. Going into 2020, it was, Baker was coming off a terrible year and we didn't know what he was going to be in 2020. And I think part of the discussion was like, hey, you've got a veteran that if Baker struggles, you can put this guy in and he'll be able to run your offense and win you some games. So that was sort of the discussion we were having about Case Keenum when he first signed. And then that changed, obviously. Baker played well at the end of 2020, and it became clear this year that Kevin was not at any point going to turn to Case Keenum unless Baker just couldn't play. So, no, that's not what Case is now, but that is kind of how we were talking about Case when he first signed here. The, the biggest throw in Case Keenum's career was pretty deep pass. Right. Uh, He threw three passes over 20 yards for the Browns this year. I mean, maybe that's the way Kevin Stefanski called the offense. Maybe that's just what was open, but there was no downfield passing with Case Keenum as the quarterback. Okay. So, so no one's beating the drum for Case anymore. Okay. Just want to make sure. I just want to make sure nothing against Case Keenum, but that's it's just, it's just not to me what we're talking about now. The, The one of the, part of the cons here is again, listen, it's like, we're going through it. I'm finding comparisons. I'm finding the best case scenarios. It's like, Oh, a team did this and look, it worked. It's like, it's not definitely going to work. And we're going to get to actual names that maybe could come in here and do this. There is part of it as like, uh, I've been pounding the thing of like Baker Mayfield's a maybe you're not bringing in a yes. In this scenario, you're bringing in another maybe because we're going to have a yes scenario later. This is not replacing Baker Mayfield. This is, as Scott said, sort of from the analytics standpoint, another roll of the dice. And it's one of those things, two maybes. Does that increase the chances of a yes, or does it decrease the chances of a yes? Because we'll get to the names after the break. When you run through the people that would maybe fit a Ryan Tannehill scenario here, I'm not sure anybody in Cleveland is going to be jumping up and down about it, but it is a protection against man. Baker still doesn't look healthy or Baker ran. He just, the the processing really has not come back. And like, we almost can't put him out there anymore. And this guy's played, but it is two maybes, right? I mean, we are acknowledging that Ashley, that, that it's not, and I think someone else said, there's no guarantee that the second guy, would be the answer. He would just be another option. Right. And I mean, that goes back to my point before about like, why was Case Keenum not an option in that Packers game? And I, you know, I think we've talked so much about his ceiling compared to Baker's ceiling. I think you just need a guy who the Browns think have a slightly higher ceiling than Case Keenum. Like that's all I'm asking for right now, because like Dan said at the top of this, like there's probably not another Ryan Tannehill that they're going to get. Like that was the, perfect use of this option like that option's probably not out there for them um but again like if nothing's going to be perfect I think that's what you need to be looking for like a backup who's actually like viable if things are going awry in the middle of a game Mary Kay do you feel like this is this is a bigger collection of cons for bringing in a veteran 
competition or do you think it's a larger collection of pros for this idea? You know, I, I think there are plenty of pros to this idea uh, because I think as, as we all know, uh, sometimes Baker Mayfield, when he has the fire lit underneath him a little bit, uh, he comes out swinging and you get a better version of Baker Mayfield. When he plays a little mad, he plays a little angry and nobody believes in him. Nobody believed in him in college. And, uh, you know, he had to walk on twice and become a starter and he had to show the world who he was. So maybe a little bit of Baker Mayfield having to come out again and show the world who he is and that he's, he's going to, uh, you know, surprise everybody and, and come up off the mat. Maybe that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for him. So I think there are, are plenty of cons to this. And I mean, pros to this. And I also believe that uh, you do need to have a really good solid plan B in the event that you put a little too much faith and stock in the fact that, uh, that he was going to come back healthy. Not only did he have the shoulder injury, but he had a foot injury. I mean, you know, Dan and I were taping a video at pra- uh, outside of the uh, practice field uh, one day, and we actually watched uh, a car. Well, I'm not going to say the name of it, but somebody who works with people that have foot issues drove up and, uh, and was working with him on orthotics and things like that. Uh, so there was a very real foot injury that was going on during, uh, during the season. And then he had a knee injury as well. So he is going to be 27 heading into next season. And, uh, and, you know, he, he was sacked another nine times in, in the final game. So his body has taken on some wear and tear. And just because the shoulder is going to be fine doesn't mean the rest of the body is. Uh, therefore, I think you have to have a good, solid plan B, even though I like Case. I don't want Case Keenum to go anywhere because of some reasons we talked about on yesterday's pod, including the fact that Baker needs his confidence rebuilt. And Case is great for that. But I still think that this roster, if you're not paying a quarterback $40 million next year, that you can keep a Case Keenum at the at the money that he gets. And you can keep Baker Mayfield at the money he has and bring on another quarterback. And you're still adding it all up and only being at the price of one elite premier quarterback. So I say bring it on. So the, the last thing before we get to some names on this, would if the Browns did this, if they brought in somebody, traded for or signed somebody this offseason, would that be contrary to what they're saying right now? Or do you yep. think that that what they've said about Baker Mayfield will be here in 22, that does not preclude the idea of an actual sort of plan B on the roster? I don't think it precludes it at all. And I think that they would be doing themselves a disservice and the team and the other players a disservice if they didn't do everything possible to be ready, not only for the future, uh, but also for the 2022 season in the event that, uh, you know, that there is another Baker injury and you have to be ready to go. Look what happened to the Ravens this year, right? I mean, at least they had a chance because they had Tyler Huntley to step in there and, and try to win some football games for them. And, and I think Case can do that. I really do. I, I actually think the more I think about this past season, I think a little bit more of Case would have helped them win some more games. I, I, just, I just feel like somehow, some way you could have gotten – more than 17 points in a few games out of, out of Casey Keenum. Call me crazy. That's how I feel. Um, so, yeah, I think that you would be doing uh, everybody involved with this football team, including your defense, including your defense, which wants to know that you're committed to winning and getting to the Super Bowl. Uh, you need to send a clear, strong message to them. You don't think Jadavian Clowney wants to know that you have some hope at quarterback before he signs a contract here? Uh, there are a lot of issues involved with this. Anybody else do you think it would fit or do you think it would be a little against what the Browns have said publicly the last couple of days? I, I think it fits. Um, I, I mean, but I, I think to me, I think this option, even though, you know, we're, we're framing this all within the Baker like realm, right? I think this option is a little separate from Baker. You're bringing in a guy to hedge. That's how I see it. Uh-huh. Because to me, like, 
if, if you have to bring in, if, if the way you're going to get the best Baker is to bring in competition and light a fire under him, then you're going to have to do this every single year. And, that, you know, I, I think Mary Kay pointed out some things there that, that are long-term concerns. If, if this is what you have to do to get the best out of Baker, then it's not going to work. You're going to have to bring in a competitor, you know, every year for the next 10 years. Like that's, you know, you can't do that. Um, you know, so, and, and also even, even the confidence thing, like Baker's 27 and in his fifth year, like figure it out, <laughs> you know, you, you shouldn't have to have to have a veteran like Case Keenum to lean on at this point. So I, I think this option is, yes, it has to do with Baker, but I think this would fully be a hedge against Baker. So in that sense, maybe it does go a little bit against what they've been saying, but I, I don't think it completely contradicts it. All right. We're going to get to some names. People like names. We'll do that next on the Orange or Brown Talk podcast. All right. Back on the Mayfield Matrix. Listen, we're, we're writing these pieces. You can find them at cleveland.com slash Browns. And these are the podcasts to accompany them. There was an intro column sort of explaining this whole thing that the idea of bringing back a quarterback on the fifth year rookie option without signing him to extension is, is not something that many teams have done so far. The first option that we talked about on this podcast and we wrote about is you just stick with Baker, sort of like the Jameis Winston option that the Bucks did a couple of years ago. He's the guy. There's no real other option. You're not extending him, but he's the guy. This is option number two. He's back, but you're, as Dan said, I think hedge is a good word. You're hedging with a veteran who you know can start. But how do you find the name? Tannehill, the, the further you get away from Tannehill, it's not that long ago. Um it is pretty rare, right? That that guy was a maybe who turned into a yes, at least for a while, maybe is slipping back toward maybe, but the Titans are the one seed. It's like, whatever. There's one of the, I know it's one of these things I've been thinking about this, Scott. I agree, I think we have come around on the agreement of wins are not a quarterback stat, but wins with a quarterback are an organizational stat. And I think that is different that it's like, to say like, oh, this is Baker Mayfield's record. But for the Browns to look at it and say, this is our record with Baker Mayfield. Maybe we need to do something else. That's a little different. And the Titans, maybe Ryan Tannehill's numbers aren't as great. The, the Titans still win a lot of games with Ryan Tannehill as the quarterback. Even if he's not setting the world on fire. So that's a separate podcast. We'll do got to watch the tape on that in April. Who could this be? So the one guy, one guy that leaps to mind who is a free agent and has been a recent starter and is still in the maybe realm, but feels like a hedge to me would be Teddy Bridgewater, who was the starting quarterback in Denver this year. Uh, according to what I'm looking at, he was seven and seven as a starter. He was a starter in Carolina in 2020. He was four and 11 there. He started five games in New Orleans uh, in 2019. He was five and zero oh there. He's 33 and 30 in his career. We know he started off great in Minnesota and had that terrible injury in practice, which completely derailed his career. And he is not a through the roof guy, but this is not the discussion about through the roof guys. Cause that's the replacement. Cause you, if the guy's too good, he's not coming here to compete or be a backup. He would be coming here to replace. This is not replaced. This is with. So Teddy Bridgewater comes to mind for me. There's a couple other maybe guys that we can get to. What do you guys think of Teddy Bridgewater? Like, does that seem like a name that could make sense on several levels for the Browns next year. He, he's like the guy that fits this to, to a T I, I think in a lot of ways, I do want to point out with Tannehill, we've mentioned that it, it seems like he had a down year this year. If, if he put up, if Baker put up the numbers Tannehill put up this year, fans would be clamoring to pay him $40 million. So yeah, it's, it's all, it's all kind of relative. He actually statistically had, had a pretty nice year, but I, I do think, I, I do think Teddy is, you know, he's kind of that guy that you bring in and think, okay, we really like this guy. And then you've got him for a year and you're like, all right, let's go find somebody else. But I, th I think for what the Browns are looking for, I think he would be a realistic option um, that you could, could have as your backup. But also if you, if you want him to start, he can do that. I, I think he fits that description. I think so too. I think uh, this is exactly the kind of guy that we're talking about. Not an enormous threat, not somebody where uh, you would have to say when you, the minute that you sign him, uh, yes, there's going to be an open competition in training camp because that could uh, lend itself to uh, a lot of drama, a lot of controversy. Uh, this is a guy that you can sell it like, 
you know what? We're going to bring this guy in. He's going to be Baker Mayfield's backup quarterback. And we would believe you if you told us that, right? We would believe you. And I think that's important. The perception of this option is vitally important. Um, But also you would have someone who has a winning record. That's something that Baker Mayfield does not have right now. Uh, So it's a quarterback that has a winning record that has some good experience and you could get him uh, for a decent price. And in this scenario, as I mentioned before, if you keep Case Keenum around, and sometimes when I talk about uh, a guy like Case Keenum being that sort of mentor type of person, it's not only just for the quarterback room, but it's sort of a team wide thing. And I remember back when I covered uh, Bill Belichick, he had, um, you know, he had a couple of guys, Carl Banks and, and Pepper Johnson, that he, he had his guys to help carry the banner and the message about what he wants done and how he wants it done. And I think Case plays that role. So I would keep Case around and sign a Teddy at a decent price as the backup to Baker Mayfield and off you go. And you think Teddy Bridge, like the idea of Teddy Bridgewater is better than the actual Teddy Bridgewater. It's like, uh, like Joan Jett, you know, it's in the rock hall. She had like two hits. Like the idea of Joan Jett is better than the actual Joan Jett. That's Teddy Bridgewater. He's like on his way to becoming the next Ryan Fitzpatrick in a lot of ways. Um, who like, like we said is sounds great for a year. And then you're like, okay, well let's maybe go another direction. But I do agree with Mary Kay that if you say he's the backup, that's very believable. Um, he has seen a, a decent jump at times uh, in his completion percentage when he goes to uh, play action, which is something that uh, Baker, uh, we figured that was a, a real positive of pairing Baker with Kevin Stefanski. Um, it hasn't been as big of a jump since Stefanski arrived, but uh, I think the fact that Bridgewater has performed okay in play action is, has some success doing that. Worth worth checking out with Stefanski for sure. I'm yeah, imagining just, Joan Jett. I'm imagining Joan Jett just wanting to listen to a podcast today about the Browns. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah, that was and so. She just catches a stray from Scott. Unprovoked. That's right, man. I'm just thinking That's about right. whether has Scott talked to our pop culture writer Troy Smith about a story of comparing rock and roll Hall of Fame inductees to current NFL quarterbacks. That thing would go mm. do crazy numbers on Cleveland.com. Ashley, what do you think? Uh, kind of like what Dan said that he's fits this model to a T like we might as well call this the Teddy Bridgewater model because if he if they sign him no one's going to be like oh the Browns have found their starter but like I just I just think about his career and like obviously he has some experience at this point but so much of his career has been impacted by injuries and that grotesque leg injury that he got in 2016 and missed the entire season and he's only played one full season in his career so I think there is still an opportunity for him to prove something. I think he would add a bit of a veteran presence. I think he's non-threatening on the surface. Um, so it kind of encapsulates this best of both worlds option that uh, this option provides for the Browns, I think. Yeah, no, I think, I think he, he is the best fit for it. And I do think, I, I want to ask a case Kingdom question real quick before we move on to other names. Are we getting a vibe from you guys that if the Browns had a backup quarterback that maybe Kevin Stefanski had a little more faith in putting out there more often, they would have used him more this year that, that do we think that, I mean, it's one of these things, it's it's sort of the thing that I always use. I mean, I'm like the biggest disbeliever of Dearness Johnson, which maybe I'm completely wrong with anybody, but it's like, I look how they use him when the other guys are around, or even when just one of the two of, Chubb or Hunt is available. And there are times where like, he just doesn't play that much. It's like, all right, well, I think they don't think he's as much of a viable option in an everyday situation. Can we take that away from that? They didn't really use Case Keenum, except when they absolutely had to. And that if they had Teddy Bridgewater this year, would they have played Teddy Bridgewater more than they played Case Keenum? You guys know what I'm saying? Or do we think this was just Stefanski handled it this way, and it was all about Baker Mayfield. It sort of wouldn't have mattered who the backup quarterback was. They were just going to stick with the number one guy as long as he could walk. I think they were going to stick with the number one guy. I think that, uh, you know, when you have your number one overall pick 
you ride with him until you're ready to basically, you know, give up on that. If you bench him in this season, I mean, I, and you could have gotten away with it this season because of the injury, uh, you would have had a built-in excuse to do that. But I think you ride with QB one until you're ready to, to go in another direction because it just opens up a whole can of worms to not believe in QB one anymore. And you're telling him and your fan base and everyone else, we're just not sure about this guy. And I, I think they wanted to give him an opportunity to, to ride it out and to get them to the playoffs, which they could have done. And uh, Andrew Barry felt and believed that he was going to play his best ball down the stretch. Obviously, obviously that didn't happen, but they thought it was going to happen. So they wanted to give him that chance to do that. I do want to, if we're going to talk about Teddy I think, as a viable option, I do think we need to point out there's that there is a relationship there with Kevin. Mm. So I, I think, you know, we at least need to mention that. And in 2017, when Teddy came back, they only played like one game, but Kevin was the quarterback's coach in 2017. But of course he was obviously with Minnesota all those years after they drafted Teddy. This is definitely going to happen. Is that what we're like? Is this how we arrived on this? As Ashley said, we should just be calling this the Teddy Bridgewater option that we have decided this is what it's going to be. Let me ask this because I did. It's, it's one of those. It's not exactly like would Teddy Bridgewater be better than Baker Mayfield? I think the, the threshold is A, would Teddy Bridgewater be better than bad Baker Mayfield, right? Than injured, sort of just whatever is not seeing the field right Baker Mayfield. And would Teddy Bridgewater be better than Case Keenum? And that's his long-term starters, I mean. That if, for instance, if we're using the Mariota example, if the Browns start two and four next year and they were ready to make a quarterback switch, is Teddy Bridgewater a significantly better option than Case Keenum? I say yes, which is why this would make sense to me. Do you guys say yes? I don't think significantly uh, better necessarily because I think uh, that Case Keenum has such an incredible handle on this particular offense and the way that Kevin Stefanski runs it that uh, just by sheer virtue of his experience and wisdom, he, he gets the ball out very quickly. He knows where to go with it. And he never really had uh, a full complement of, of offense around him. He didn't have uh, Nick Chubb and Case Keenum in that first game that he, he won over the, uh, over the Broncos. And in the second game that we all agreed that that was basically like a sort of like a preseason game. And you can't really judge him off of that game either way, his offense versus their defense. That wasn't really a good handle on what case can do. I think that case can go in there and win some football games for you. And I, I don't think it would be like, I don't even know. I can't even think of an example um, right now. You know, Tim Boyle versus Teddy Bridgewater. It's not like that. It would be more like a six versus a seven, not a two versus an eight. I do think it's a, you know, I, I understand raw stats aren't the end all. But as we go through these names, like if you're out there listening and you're, you're able to do this, Pull up these guys' pro football reference pages and compare their statistics year to year with what Baker Mayfield has done. So we talk about Teddy Bridgewater like he's some significant downgrade to Baker Mayfield. And, you know, in certain areas, there's things Baker does better. But again, pull up Teddy's, pull up Teddy's pro football reference page. Look at his completion percentage. Look at his ratings. Look, look at all that stuff. And, and I, think, I think we need to frame some of these discussions in like, you know, we're, we're, we kind of talk about Baker framed in that what he did in those last five games as a rookie in those last six games in 2020. But like when you look at the body of work. Statistically, at least, is it that much better than Teddy Bridgewater? It, you know, it's not. So I, I think we need to remember that when we have these discussions, too. We're, we're talking about Baker like he's, you know, a top five quarterback that struggled. I, I think Bridgewater is a huge upgrade over Case King. I think he's more efficient, like. Uh, like PFF grading, he's tons of PFF grading had Case Keenum as the worst quarterback on the Browns this year. It was like 55.1. If you go by other uh, advanced uh, metrics like DVOA, uh, Bridgewater uh, is actually uh, 10th this season. Uh, so, yeah, I think Bridgewater would be a huge upgrade. So, 
Let's think about options besides Teddy Bridgewater, because the one thing that I'm not sure about is, do I think that Teddy Bridgewater could be Ryan Tannehill long term? And it's like, and then the Browns went on and went to the playoffs multiple years in a row with Teddy Bridgewater. I don't I don't know about that. I'm not saying no, but I'm not sure. I'm thinking more about Teddy Bridgewater or a guy like that specifically for 2022. But there are a couple more like upside swings slash you're a crazy person. Why would you do this swings? When you get in maybe land. And I think Mitch Trubisky and Sam Darnold fit more in that category. Now there's, you know, Darnold is also in a fifth year option because he got traded to Carolina and Carolina picked it up and they dorked around with Darnold and Cam Newton. And then he was, I think he was hurt for a while, but then he came back at the end. I don't know. I'm not like pounding the table for Sam Darnold. And the same with Mitch Trubisky, who, you know, frankly had his top year in Chicago was far better than anything that Baker Mayfield has had here. And then the double doink, and then it kind of gets South. And by the way, maybe we think in the end that he had a terrible coach, which, which maybe factored into that. So then he goes this year and is the backup quarterback in Buffalo to Josh Allen. Some of this is the, well, that guy hasn't exactly worked out elsewhere, but we can fix it kind of thing, which everybody in life loves to do. But it's a, I don't know, right? Are those guys, those guys have already lost their jobs. They've already, we're talking about Baker Mayfield being in this cycle of being a first round pick that their team doesn't commit to. Mitch Trubisky and Sam Darnold have already struck out on that standpoint. The Bears didn't pick up the fifth year option with Mitch Trubisky. Sam Darnold got traded. So in some ways they're worse than Baker Mayfield, but do you think you could fix them? And do you think that if you fixed them and dropped them into a team with a good defense and a good offensive line, that maybe they could give you something that Baker Mayfield wouldn't, or at least it would be a hedge. Dan, do you like, what about those type of hedges, which are a different style of hedge, I think, that we're talking about with Bridgewater? I I will take a pass on Sam Darnold. Um, I, I just, you know, let somebody else deal with that. By the way, did you guys know Mitch Trubisky after the 2020 season had surgery to repair a torn labrum in his left shoulder? I think it was partially torn. <laughs> Um, Mitch is interesting. I don't, you know, I don't think he's like, like Teddy Bridgewater is a guy that I'd I'd rather have if this is the guy that I know is going to start at some point during the season. Um, not that I think he's some sort of long-term answer either, but you know, Mitch is interesting because he has won before he's shown that he can play within a system. If you kind of build it around him and, and, you know, he could throw on the move, things like that. So you know, if, if they think Mitch is a guy that could come in and compete and give them some starts if they need him, I, I'd be open to that. There's an important thing to note here about Mitch Trubisky, and this is a, a key, key element in all of this. When in 2017, when the Bruins were trying to decide who to draft number one overall in 2017, their QB1 on their board was Mitch Trubisky, okay? And Andrew Barry was high up on that personnel staff when, when that happened, okay? He was actually the top football person in the building at that time. And Mitch Trubisky was their QB1 over Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. Now, there was no consensus in the building at that time on a quarterback because they were at the height of dysfunction in that year. That is when, of course, they had Hugh Jackson and Sashi Brown butting heads like crazy. So they whiffed on some of their quarterback evaluations that year because they couldn't get on the same page with anything. They didn't stay. They didn't see that right in front of them. If, if they were like many other teams that didn't realize that Patrick Mahomes was what he was, They undervalued Deshaun Watson in a huge way. Now, ultimately, that turned out to be a blessing in disguise or a silver lining or whatever you want to call it because of what has gone on with Deshaun Watson in Houston. And that is a a very controversial situation with his legal struggles that the Browns certainly did not need. So maybe the football gods saved them from a disaster in that regard. But from just a pure football standpoint, they did not have the right evaluation, the right grade on Deshaun Watson. 
And if, and if he did not have the legal struggles that he has right now, I think that they would absolutely be interested in taking a look at what he could possibly do for this football team. Uh, but that year they had Mitch as their QB one. They could not agree on it whatsoever. I, Hugh Jackson didn't think much of, of Mitch Trubisky at that time, but the front office did. And they certainly were not the only football team that had Mitch as, and we know that for sure because the bears drafted him number two. They were not the only team that had Mitch Trubisky as, as their guy. Andrew Barry really likes the guys that he liked in drafts. That's why he's still sticking with David Njoku after all these years. As we know, they draft, they ended up drafting uh, Miles Garrett number one overall that year because, like I said, they couldn't get their act together on a quarterback. So there is that there, there are a lot of people in the front office that thought very highly of Mitch Trubisky. Now, Mitch Trubisky, very quickly, uh, 64 touchdown passes and 38 interceptions. One year, that one year, he went 11 and three in Chicago. They had a very good defense. That has a lot to do with things. 64.1% completion percentage. He has, he's, he's mobile. He's got over a thousand rushing yards. Uh, he's mobile enough. Uh, he's 27 years old right now. His record is 29 and 21. Baker doesn't have a winning record right now. Uh, Mitch Trubisky almost, almost rises to the level of replacement instead oh, of. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, no, exactly he's exactly this. He's exactly this. He's perfect. No, he's, he's, he's on the border. He's he's, he's right on think, the border. Do you think Mitch Trubisky is going to be a starting quarterback next year in the NFL? I don't know. There might be some people that feel that way about him. I don't know. I mean, he there there are teams that could do worse. I'm just saying that in terms of the, the hedge guys, bring somebody in as a backup. I'm sure sometimes you just need to have your career rehabilitated. We don't know what impact Brian Dayball and the Buffalo – coaching staff may have had on Mitch Trubisky as a quarterback. Sometimes you emerge from a situation better than you went into it. So who knows? I mean, did you ever think that Ryan Tannehill was going to go somewhere and, and be what he became? No, no. but listen, no, what, no, I'm put, no. I mean, when we have the discussion about replacement, that's like a Russell Wilson conversation. Mitch Trubisky is in this group for no. sure. I like all the uh, no, Doug, no, no, you're he's wrong in about this that. conversation. Wait, he's I a know backup he's... right now. Okay, he is in this conversation, but there is another rung below the Aaron Rodgers, and which we will be talking about, and the Russell Wilsons, and we all know that there's another group right after that. And I'm just saying that when you get to that second group of replacement quarterbacks, which we'll save that for when the time comes, he is probably, he drops right out below that group, but would possibly be at the top of this group. Okay. So I'm just saying he's on the borderline and somebody somewhere, some really good football coach might be able to turn him into something. Maybe not. I could be wrong, but there is a slight chance that there's something left in Mitch Trubisky. He already went 11 and three one year. And again, maybe not all because of, of what he did, but there just might be something left there. He was yeah, a pro bowler, is- by the way. I Thank mean, you. so is, so is Derek Anderson. He, and he was a pro bowler because well, yeah, Rodgers and golf didn't show up. But he, uh, that well, year. he doesn't, he doesn't <laughs> but, have a job this year. He was a backup this year. He's a backup right now. The whole idea with with Stefanski's offense and the style of offense is that it makes quarterbacks better. Play action makes quarterbacks better. And that's like Ryan Tannehill is the you know end all be all example of that uh, right now. And I think that's what you would hope for with Mitch Trubisky. He has seen a nice jump like when I, I don't know what kind of offense Chicago was running off the top of my head when he was there. But I know it wasn't as play action heavy. Uh, as as the Browns have been or the Vikings have been or Tennessee or anything like mm-hmm. that. But uh, Mitch Trubisky did see uh, like a 9% jump in his completion percentage when he ran play action. So there is that. We all know he's very mobile. Um, anybody who watched him in high school and college, whatever, you know, he's, he's a guy who can get out and move. He has not been great throwing on the run. His completion percentage is about 10 points lower than Baker's, uh, at least in his best season. Um, so there is that, but again, this kind of offense and the kind of options he would have when he is on the move 
maybe that's something that uh, that would help him in, in a way similar to, to how it helped Tannehill. So now I'm starting to think quarterback room next year is Baker Mayfield, Teddy Bridgewater, Case Keenum, and Mitch Trubisky because <laughs> I'm liking all, all these options. This, um, this is Scott's. This is Scott's concept. Just get yeah. you know increase your chances of hitting. It's like the, the Bears with their kicking situation a couple years ago when they had like 12 guys in camp or whatever. Just, we, there's got to be one good one in there. Come on, Dan. You covered Mitch Trubisky in high school. Speak up. Yeah, I mean, he was a good high school quarterback. <laughs> he was a great high school quarterback. I, yeah, he was a great high school quarterback. Um, you know, I, I I liked him in that year at North Carolina. I was I was interested in him. But, you know, I I – I guess that word replacement, I wonder how we're using it. Are we using it as like, oh, you'd bring him in and Baker would be gone? Or are we using it as like, you'd bring him in and then eventually, well, like that's the discussion we're having, right? It's the Tannehill discussion. Eventually. Yes, this is yeah. the Tannehill discussion. Yeah, so right. he's, he's a it. Tannehill. But, but is he see, not? I could see that scenario. Sure. If they brought Mitch Trubisky in, how would, we said if you brought in Teddy Bridgewater, that would not be viewed as, oh no, he's coming to replace Baker Mayfield. You could say he's the backup and people would believe it, but then you have a hedge if it doesn't go well, right? Would Trubisky be viewed the same way? Or do you think Trubisky would be like, oh, oh, Baker's out, right? I, I don't know that a guy hey. who was a backup this year, you bring him in here and all of a sudden he'd be viewed as the favorite. That's kind of where like my thinking is like, I think it would be similar to the Teddy Bridgewater thinking for that reason, because he's a backup this year. So it's more feasible if they say like, oh yeah, we, you know, this is how we're beefing up the quarterback room. We're bringing Mitch Trubisky in to be the backup. I think that's still believable. And at the end of the day, for me, it's like all these options, except I'm with Dan on Sam Darnold, like no, thank you. That's fine. But I, I think it's important to remember, like all these guys in theory are some kind of gamble. Like they're maybe mm-hmm. not as big of gambles as, as other people, but it still is believable that they could be a backup. And that's the important part of this. And Mitch Trubisky's already a backup. Therefore it's believable for me. I, I just want to throw this out there. When, again, this sort of frames the discussion about Baker that, that we always have, right? Like people love to say, well, come on. He, led you to the playoffs. I won a playoff game. And and we're talking about all these guys that maybe aren't good enough to replace Baker. Some of whom have led teams to the playoffs and, you know, and in Marcus Mariota's case, won a playoff game, actually threw a game winning touchdown in a playoff game. So, I mean, I, I think again, when we're having this discussion, we should look at it with how we discussed Baker too. Like the, the Trump card with Baker shouldn't be, Oh, he led this team to the playoffs. I won a playoff game. Like, great. That was awesome. But we're talking about guys that have also done that and now they're backups. And we're talking about maybe bringing them in as backups here. And also, by the way, Mariota is another option here. Mariota, mm-hmm. who's currently the backup with the Raiders, could now be the Tannehill <laughs> in his own Mariota Tannehill situation. <laughs> he becomes Baker Mayfield's Tannehill. But again, we're talking about Mitch Trubisky, number two pick in the draft. Could it work? Marcus Mariota, number two pick in the draft. Sam Darnold, number three pick in the draft. All guys who lost their jobs by the time they got to year five and that was it. And now they're kind of out in the recycle bin and you try to bring them in. And again, as Dan is, I think making very good points. This is, these are, this is, we're not taking shots at Baker Mayfield. We're just talking about it realistically that frankly, when you look at Baker Mayfield so far, you can look at guys like Mariota and Trubisky who wound up losing their jobs. And there's not a ton of difference at this point in their careers. The other guy that I wanted to mention, uh, Mary Kay brought up the Bill Belichick uh, uh, part of things, loyal Bill Belichick guy, Brian Hoyer. Who wants Brian Hoyer in here next year? Scott Pabb, just kidding. Brian Hoyer and Colt McCoy are both free agents. I'm just saying, you want to give a couple guys a second chance who maybe didn't get a fair shake here? I mean, you know, a little nostalgia. I think we're hitting on some options, though. Is there Are there any names that have not been brought up so far that could fit maybe this hedge quarterback situation. You know, I think they're probably, Oh, go ahead. You go ahead, Scott. Tyrod Taylor. Anyone? Anyone? (laughs) What about, what about a guy? What about a guy that I think has always been destined to wear Brown's uniform? Ryan Fitzpatrick. (laughs) It's like, he's like 80, I think, (laughs) you know, at hip surgery too. there, There could be, um, and I haven't researched this thoroughly enough yet, but who knew 
that Tyler Huntley was going to be Tyler Huntley. So my point there is there could be some guys out there like, like that, that the Browns have scouted that are on someone's roster that has some untapped potential and hasn't really, uh, you know, been able to start yet for anyone, but can be a really, really good quarterback in the system. So, you know, maybe, maybe it's someone like that, that we, you know, not the obvious name, not the number two uh, pick in the draft or the number three pick in the draft, but somebody who can, can really come in here and make a little bit of noise. The one distinction here that I think at least matters to me and how I look at this between Case Keenum and guys like this is that when Case Keenum came here, he clearly was here to be, I think Mary Kay made a very good point about sort of being an acolyte for the Kevin Stefanski way of doing things. And that can be very valuable to a coach, but he was also here to be Baker's mentor, right? That that was part of, that was probably, that was number one of his job was to help this young quarterback come along. He knew the system, similar style of play. Number two was, and then if you need to play, if something happens with that guy, then we can put you in. To me, if uh, the guys that we're talking about here, number one, and the only job is play if the other guy doesn't cut it. There is no mentorship. There is no making Baker better. There is no making the room better. There is no helping Kevin Stefanski. It is just... We think you can do it. You've done it at times. We think you maybe even have a chance to be better here than you've been. And if the number one guy looks like he's not getting it done, we're ready to go to you. And then we think we can ride with you going forward. Because that is the one thing about this. And I know there are probably some people listening to this stuff who hate this conversation because it is angsty and it is talking about what if with with the current quarterback. But they're committed to him and they're committing to him for now. To me, the example is if by week seven of next year, you're like, oh, I don't know about this anymore. Can you flip it and go? And that's all that matters to me when we're talking about these hedge guys. Go ahead, Mary Kay. You know, there's there's an example. Now, I'm going to flip way back to yesteryear for this. Okay, and this is this is an important also an important thing, I think, to uh, to note in this discussion. There was a quarterback here by the name of Bernie Kosar. And when Bill Belichick and Mike Lombardi, the GM at the time, uh, determined that uh, Bernie Kosar was starting to have some diminishing skills, they brought in Vinny Testaverde. And Vinny was brought in and everyone was sort of led to believe that he wasn't necessarily going to be the next starting quarterback of the Cleveland Browns. But Bill Belichick and Mike Lombardi had other thoughts on that. They knew full well that Vinny was going to be their starter when they brought him in. So, you know, some of what happens throughout these examples that we're talking about uh, will be they might not necessarily articulate it to the public, but they might see something in one of these guys, even the hedge guy that we're talking about, that they believe where he could be better than Baker, but it's not going to be uh put out there and it's not going to be blatant. They're going to let, you know, maybe they would let Baker play himself out of the job and then just kind of slide the other guy in there. But that's just another thing to consider the Bernie Vinny model. And Scott, you probably have some thoughts on that, right? I mean, you were um, paying very that, close attention. That all worked out great, right? No, no uh, horrible scarring for Browns fans over what happened with that situation. Uh, <laughs> I just, I think of bringing in somebody else and I think about Holcomb and McC- and and uh and couch and like you know Whedon and Campbell and like you don't want to get I mean there's been a bunch of those situations in the last 20 years McCoy and I think Seneca Wallace like you get to a week seven or eight you've already made a switch and then the guy you went to isn't so great so then every week it's well who's your starting quarterback going to be and I think that's the worst possible place for this team to be in with so much other talent on the team uh that's why I, I just I don't like this option. I think it's so there's so much opportunity for error and just making something into a worse situation and so little chance of it working well the way it did for the Titans. I love, I think we should have on every podcast, like Brown story time with Mary Kay Cabot. When Mary <laughs> Kay says there once was a Browns quarterback named Bernie Kozar. And I'm just like, go. I'm here. <laughs> Tell me a story, Mary Kay Cabot. I love that stuff. I will say this. To me, the important part of the scenario here when we talk about this discussion is if Baker's good, it doesn't matter. 
like you brought in this guy. And if Baker is healthy and ripping it and seeing it and is confident, it doesn't matter because the hedge only comes into play if the first thing doesn't work. So you're committed to the guy. But if you start two and four and Marcus Mariota was really bad in some games at the start of that season for Tennessee, if, if you start that, then you're ready. So uh, Scott, I, I understand what you're saying, but if your guy's really the guy who cares who the backup is, who, who cares? Mitch Trubisky was Josh Allen's backup this year. Who cares? It doesn't matter. Josh Allen's the guy. So if Baker reestablishes that, then boom, then you roll. And then this was just a, a just in case plan that you never needed. All right, we'll come back after this. We'll give our rating on a scale of one to 10. What do we think of this plan next on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast? All right, so we're going to do this with every option. We did it with the first option with Jameis Winston. I'm tracking it. When we get to the end, I'll say we'll total up everybody's rankings, a scale of one to 10. Which option in the end did the five of us collectively like the best? Again, this is option two. It is bring in a veteran hedge quarterback as a backup slash maybe competition to Baker Mayfield and Dan Lobby. We'll start with you. One is I hate it. No, right? Yes, one is yes. no. One is I hate it. Wait, let me check my own ratings. Yes, it's one is what I is hate what? it. One is I hate it. Ten <laughs> is yes, I absolutely love this. Option. Oh, right, right. Ten is I love it. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> one is I hate it. Ten is I love it. Dan, where are you? I think I'm closer to Scott on this one. I I, I don't really love it. I feel like it's sort of, um, I, I'm going to go like three. I mean, I understand the reasoning behind it. it it's an option I, I get. I know why you would do it. But it also seems to me like you're saying, eh, we're bringing back a guy that we don't believe in and we're going to back him up with a guy that maybe we kind of believe in. I, I don't know. I, I, it's probably going to be the most realistic option, but I, I don't know. I don't love it. So I'm going to go three. All right, Ashley, you you have seemed to express support for this idea. Where are you? Yeah, I'm going to go higher than Dan. Um, I'm going to go <laughs> six and a half. Like, I, like Dan said, to his point, I do think it's like the most realistic. I think, I know we talked on a previous podcast about these fears, like if you let Baker Mayfield go, which obviously the Browns have said Baker Mayfield's our guy, so that's not in the discussion, but I know there was this like fear that what if he goes somewhere down the line and becomes the guy elsewhere. And we talked about why we don't think that matters, but I do think that protects them against that either way. Um, Cause he would still be here. Like you were saying, Doug, if he, as long as he performs and has that fire underneath him um, is that competitor that I think a lot of people think of him as then it's still his job. And if not, you have a guy who I think either way, I've been kind of on the side of, I get like, agree with what Mary Kay saying, why case has been valuable. I still would like to see a backup with more upside or who's younger or some combination of that. Um, and I just think this option keeps, has the potential to keep the most people happy while acknowledging it does have the potential to start some drama, kind of like Scott was talking about. But it also has the potential to be the least dramatic, I think. So I'll give it a six and a half. Scott, what do you think? All right, so I understand that uh, if Baker Mayfield comes out and plays great, this wouldn't matter, you know, if they bring in a hedge guy. But making Trubisky the backup to Josh Allen isn't the same as making the backup to Baker because if you did that here, it's because you are not totally confident in what Baker is going to be in 2022. Even despite what they've said, I think you just have to go off history and his, the roller coaster he has had in his career, the fact he's coming up all the injuries, all the things we, we've talked about. So um, I just, I do agree that Case Keenum isn't the best option if you have to turn to a backup, but I think bringing in somebody who's going to be a pseudo competition guy, I, just, I'm, I was going to say three, but Dan said three, so I'm going to go two. <laughs> I'm not sure yet if there's a scenario we're going to talk about. There might be one that I hate worse than this. So I want to leave open the door, but I'm going to say two. I just, I don't know. I think you, you either commit to Baker and, and I see too many cons here. I, I maybe I'm just scarred from the past 20 years of watching quarterback issues in, in Cleveland. But uh, I think you just pick a guy and go with him instead of, getting yourself into a competition and having the baby flip flop back and forth during a season. 
So I'll, I always like to save Mary Kay for the end. So I'll go next. I'm going to give it a seven because I do think there are a couple things at play here. One is to me, it's like, well, who would it be? Right. And I think the Bridgewater and Trubisky options both have enough upside to them that we've solved the problem of, uh, sure, theoretically, but who would it be? Uh, there's two different versions of it, but I think either are possible. Also, I think if you believe in your organization, that I know people are scarred by quarterback battles and stuff in Cleveland, but if you believe in your organization, you should be able to handle this because everything else around it is pretty healthy. You know, there's alignment with the coach and general manager. The owner has been, the owners have been pretty silent, but supportive so far. You're building up the defense. The offensive line is good. The running game is good. You're going to improve the receivers. So it's not like that the quarterback, I think at times quarterback uncertainty can be a sign of a dysfunctional organization. I don't think that would be the case here. I think it would be like, Hey man, we're just trying to find the best guy for a team that has a lot of other things going for it. And so, and, and then I do believe a little bit in the, yes, I do think it could be a little, eh, but I think there might be enough payoff of like everybody else in the team being like, okay, well, you know, we're trying our best at every position. We're not just like going all in for a guy, no matter what, that there could be a payoff to that as well. Then Baker's got to figure it out. So I, I think it splits the, the, the difference a little bit of like on going all in with him and on giving up on him. And so I, I, I really kind of like it. My biggest question was, can you find actual names? And I feel like we did. Mary Kay, where are you? Um, before I give you my number, I'm going to give you my reasons. So I'm going to make you wait for the number. Um, so first of all, uh, I think the Browns have already shown that they are not committed to Baker Mayfield. If they were committed to Baker Mayfield, uh, we would know that by now. He would have some kind of an extension offer or they would be giving us some other uh, vibe that he is their long-term guy. So they're not sure yet, and that's pretty obvious. So therefore, I think that they need to have an eye towards the future. And the future could be as soon as 2022. But you can't leave yourself high and dry for 2023 if you don't think that Baker is your guy. So you better go out and grab yourself somebody this season uh, in the event that you're not ready to start turn the team over to a rookie in 2023 and have a revolt by a defense that's supposed to be ready to go to the Super Bowl. And I think is ready to go to the Super Bowl. Um, and then, uh, you know, this hedge quarter that back that you bring in, even if it's, a, if it's a Mitch Trubisky or a Teddy Bridgewater, there's a pretty good cockpit to land in here. Again, as we've said, you have a good defense. You have a good running game. You have a really good offensive line, although I think they have issues at tackles, both tackle spots, and they need to upgrade and get something going there. Um, Baker Mayfield, body's breaking down a little bit. Something's going on there. You've got to have somebody that you feel really good about uh, next season. And then also, uh, we've talked about this, competition brings out the best in everybody and some more than others. And I think Baker Mayfield has proven throughout his uh, career that if you tell him he can't, he's going to prove you wrong. That was his MO in college. That was his MO at both colleges that he played at. And he came out swinging and became the number one overall pick and the Heisman Trophy winner when they told him that he couldn't. So I think lighting a fire underneath him with somebody looking over his shoulder with him having to look over his shoulder might not be the worst thing in the world for him but also supporting him and helping him rebuild his confidence. Uh, so I, I think that's probably all I had there. Uh, and therefore, I was going to say seven, but because Doug went with seven, I'm going to bump that up to a seven and a half. We're divided on this, which is interesting. And I'll, Can I make I'll one, re one rebuttal? Yeah. Yes. The people, like, are we sure the Browns could handle a quarterback competition? I mean, this is a team that just ended the season where we heard from the defenders talking about how divided uh, this team was. And maybe there wasn't as much camaraderie and meshing going on between the offense and defense. And you want to add uh, a quarterback to the team who some people might see as a viable option or more viable option to start than, you know, they did with Case Keenum. It's a great point, Scott. It really is a great point. But. Uh, and, and I agree with you. It, it could cause problems, but your quarterback is going into his fifth season next year. And if he cannot handle uh, that sort of thing, then he's not tough minded enough to be the quarterback of an NFL football team. It didn't freak out Josh Allen this year to have Mitch Trubisky 
uh, on, on the football team with him. Uh, so, and it didn't freak out the whole entire Bills team. Yeah, but he had a huge extension too. Well, that's true. But I think that, uh, that it should be also a test of what you have in your quarterback. Because if you cannot handle, if you cannot handle a Mitch Trubisky or a Teddy Bridgewater coming in here to be behind you, which would be the stated reason at the outset, then, then you don't have what it takes. And they need to know that as soon as they can. But I do think I think, I think that's an important point. Oh, sorry, Doug. But no, I, go ahead. I, I do think when I think competition, I understand why we're using that word, but I don't think they would bring a guy in and it would be like we're going to split snaps 50 50 in training camp, right? That, that's not really what we're talking about. We're talking <laughs> about you'd bring a guy in and Baker would get 100% of the first team reps and this yep. guy would be the backup and yeah. you know you could turn to him if you needed to. So it'd be sort of a It'd be, it would be competition in the sense that like, hey, Baker, you suck. This guy can step in and start. But it wouldn't be competition in the sense of, well, on Tuesday, Baker's taking the first team reps. And on Wednesday, Mitch is taking the first team reps, right? Like that, no, that's I sort think, of how we're discussing. I think that's an important point. And I do think if you start doing that, then I do think you exa- increase the chances of mayhem of like, now we're splitting snaps. What are we doing? But like, yes, I agree with you, Dan. I do think in the end, it. it when I talk about like the health of the organization, to me, it's more of a test of everybody else, less than it would be a test of Baker. Like Mike Vrabel just handled it. Like Vrabel's really good, right? And it's like Vrabel, as it turns out, again, the reporting is he kind of wanted to play Tannehill from the start, but he gave Mariota six games. I think he replaced Mariota at halftime of game six, and then they went to Tannehill, and that was it. Mariota didn't play the rest of the year. And they made the playoffs with the AFC Championship game. So it's a test of Stefanski. It's a test of Barry. It's a test of ownership support. And again, it's one of those things on one hand, I think committing to a quarterback is a sign of a healthy franchise, because I think sometimes if you never commit, you're never going to get the result, right? Because you're always like, it's always up in the air. They have committed. They committed for four years. They have been all in on this guy. They committed. Now you're healthy in a lot of ways is a, is a full commitment best thing for the team at the quarterback position. We're strong enough now to maybe handle options and we're strong enough above the quarterback room. That's where, you know, Van Pelt's going to lock this down and make sure that it doesn't go nuts. Right. That's the belief that I think you, you would have. And Scott, I think you're right to question it, but, mm-hmm. but I, I think they are. And then if they're not, then you found out some stuff about the people in charge. Right. So. And remember also that if, Baker Mayfield becomes the long-term answer or even returns after this season, this whole, as this, we go through this whole exercise and Doug has done all the research, he will be the first to do so since the, since 2011, he will be the first player with the fifth year option, play it out and come back to his football. All right. That was a good discussion about that. Next up will be, what if you draft somebody? And I have a feeling that might be the one that Scott Pascoe hates the most. We'll have to see. Um, the, the next up will be the Jalen Hurts example when the Eagles had Carson went and then drafted Jalen Hurts and then made that transition. And now the Eagles, Carson Wentz went somewhere else and Jalen Hurts is in the playoffs with the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, could the Browns maybe look at that? For now, thanks for listening to this version of the Mayfield Matrix on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. For Mary Kay, Ashley, Scott, and Dan, I'm Doug. And that was the Orange About Talk podcast.